right, time to start up our third and final hour here in the Sports Zone. And, of course, uh, the brackets are out. March Madness. The Madness starts Thursday, but the tournament technically uh, kicks off tomorrow. And we will have LIU Brooklyn head coach Derek Kellogg uh, with us coming up in about half an hour. They'll be taking on Radford tomorrow uh, in the uh, first four. But uh, right now we bring on Vin Parisi. I see him as an analyst on Fox Sports as well as SNY. And, you know, Vin, it's that time of year. Are you, you juiced up for this particular tournament? Oh, what's better than this week, Pete? Thanks for having me on. And, you know, it's fun because obviously us being, you know, locally, we have multiple teams here in the metropolitan area in the tournament. Uh, you know, we have, you know, good talent that can make some noise. But, you know, I think when you look at this tournament, Pete, especially from the Sweet 16 on and in, and you look at the Elite Eight, that second weekend, I really think this tournament's going to be fun once we get rolling. Yeah, and we'll get into some of those matchups. How about you know, the locals? Seton Hall, is that the team you think most likely to, to make some noise here? Yeah, I think they have the most talent to make some noise. I'm just disappointed with uh, their seeding, to be honest. I, I thought for sure that they would be in the 7-10 game. Um, I didn't think that they would be in the 8-9 game. They finished in third place this year in a league that the first and second place teams were two number one seeds in Villanova and Xavier. And the Big East is one of the best leagues in all of the land. And they were a three seed going into the Big East tournament. And for them to not even get into that 7-10 game, I think, is extremely tough. Granted, they lose to Butler in the first round of the Big East tournament. But the committee, Pete, made it clear that conference tournaments were not going to be the difference maker. Look at Nevada. They lost and they, they remained a seven seed. So, you know, when you look at the fact that Seton Hall has to travel to Wichita, Kansas, play in the 8-9 game against an excellent NC State team, and then potentially have the Kansas Jayhawks in the second round mm-hmm. in Wichita, Kansas, uh, you know, a, a tough, tall task for Kevin Willard's Pirates, but you know what? He has one of the best big men in the country in Angel Delgado, and he is senior scoring guards and as we know anything could happen in the tournament in that area no certainly uh, a tough draw there for seton hall as you mentioned they lost to butler in the Big East tournament but uh yeah that was back and forth the last minute of that game not as if it was uh, a bad loss by you know any stretch of the imagination um what about a team like xavier that you know at times in the Big East tournament what was impressive to get knocked off by providence in overtime uh, do you see them you know they're a number one seed this year as a, a true national title contender yeah you know what i mean to be honest i think they're the most susceptible out of the four number one seeds and that's not to take anything away from them i think uh you know chris mack you know the job he's done this year has been fantastic and and blue it's one of the best all-around players in the country and they have a ton of ingredients and high octane offense but i think for them the bracket favors them because i think that once you look at their round of 32 matchup i mean who knows who shows up from Missouri and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, there's such a question mark there. Ohio State's been inconsistent. So, you know, I I think they're in good shape to play that second weekend against Gonzaga. And then once you get to that uh, realm of the tournament, I mean, seeding goes out the window, and I think it comes down to making shots and and having experience. And the Musketeers have that for sure. 
but I do not ha- have them as one of my one seeds making it to a Final Four. And we're talking again with Vin Parisi, Fox Sports, SNY, about uh, March Madness. Well, what about Missouri? As you mentioned there, Michael Porter Jr., top recruit in the country this past offseason, missed a lot of time because of injury. You know, came back uh, the other day, didn't have a great shooting night, but what kind of wild card does his return make Missouri in this tournament? Yeah, you're right. You know, he he comes back. He plays in the first round of the conference tournament. And think about it. You know, what did he look like? He looked like somebody that was out for four months uh, and, and had back surgery. Uh, you know, they're missing a shooter as well, uh, which I think, you know, really, you know, makes them a, a question mark there. I mean, Florida State has solid wins this year. They have size. Uh, they're better on the backboards. I think they get past. It's unfortunate for Missouri because, like a Notre Dame, who obviously didn't make the field, they had a key, key injury, you know, dominate the dialogue and and the theme of their season. And when, especially when you look at these teams that have veterans and have enough talent to make it deep into the tournament, you know, you feel for those teams. One thing that jumped out at me, the SEC football conference, right, is what you think of, but eight teams yeah. in this tournament – uh, should we we not be sleeping on these SEC teams? Were they just a, a little deeper than usual this past season? No, listen, I, I you know I th- I don't think that the SEC got enough play this year. I think that you know obviously we knew about you know the Big Twelve being as strong as they were, mm-hmm. and I, I think some individual players and performances such as Trey Young and you know following these guys' paths took away some buzz from some other teams. I mean, the job that John Calipari did, you know, normally, you know, you have a team that young and they're running and gunning and going and he slowed them down. They play better half court defense. They're more, they're solid now. Um, They got seated more on their resume and and more on what they've done this year, not on their talent and athleticism. So they're scary. You know, Florida has been a little inconsistent. I think you got to keep an eye on them to maybe get, you know, caught with an upset. But you look at the job that, you know, Bruce Pearl has done, you know, I, I think that they could play with any of these teams, especially when you get to the second weekend. Yeah, and uh, when you look at, you know, round two, I, I look at Kentucky and Arizona at four fives that could face off that that first weekend uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, yeah. You know, what what are some of the matchups here? And you talked about, you know, potentially get to the Elite Eight. What are some of the matchups you're looking your chops at that uh, you hope we get a chance to see this tourney? Well, I, I'll tell you what, and you know, you you bring up Arizona, and that's such an interesting dynamic because of all the drama that they went to. Mm-hmm. But and then Aton, I mean, he has the most talented all-around player. May not be the number one pick, but the I mean, may not be the obviously player of the year, but the most over the most talented player in all of college basketball, and probably the number one NBA draft. I mean, that's got to be the most talented number four seed uh, that you've ever seen. I think the Midwest, Pete, is just fascinating to me because, you know, you have Rhode Island and and Dan Hurley, and he has the deepest perimeter in all of college basketball. They stud their toe. They had a couple tough losses late. But when they're shooting the ball well as a group from three-point land, I really believe Rhode Island, um, were they were a few baskets away from being a five or a six seed. They're the best seven seed in the tournament. I think they get past Trey Young in Oklahoma. And and to watch them – shoot it out against the Duke zone and the drama of Dan Hurley going up against Coach K, who used to coach his brother Bobby Hurley. 
Uh, there's just so much drama down there, and I know everybody loves Duke and Kansas, but the other reason why I love the Midwest is I think Michigan State is coming out of that bracket. I think the Spartans are as good as any two and three and even one seed. I think that they're underseeded. I think that they, listen, they were the best handful of teams the first three months of the season. It's not their fault that the Big Ten did not live up to expectations. Miles, Bridges, uh, Jackson, they have size. They rebound the heck out of the basketball. They defend. When they're making shots, they're going to be a nightmare for these teams now that they get out of Big Ten play. And, you know, obviously the undercurrent uh, for this tournament will be, you know, that FBI investigation and, and some of which has become public. Do you anticipate that those things will affect any of these teams? I mean, for Arizona, maybe you could argue, hey, nobody's going to be suspended, so yeah, it's a chip on their shoulder. Uh, do you see it, you know, playing any kind of a role, even potentially a positive for some of these teams that have had that hanging above them for a, a few weeks now? You know what, I, I'm glad you brought that line in at the end, because if anything, I think it's, it's a positive in terms of motivation. I think if you're Arizona, uh, Seton Hall, and then even some of these teams that were linked in a smaller type way, be it a Michigan State or a Xavier, or we're talking about a meal here or a meal there, I, I think you could spin to your guys and you could rally to your guys that, hey, listen, we're facing adversity, people are writing stuff, we need to stay together, we need to battle through this. I spent a lot of time around Seton Hall recently the last couple of weeks. I know that they're not stressing it. Um, I, I do think that everyone's going to mentally put this on hold, but the, you know this is a conversation for a different show, Pete, but I, I do think that this is going to resurface and, and be the key story in college basketball in the summer, in the postseason. But, I mean, you're right. For the teams that had to go uh, through some adversity these last few weeks, use it as a positive and stay together and – you know, I, I just have a funny feeling. I don't. I haven't picked them to to go. Uh, you know, super super far. But I just have a funny feeling that the basketball gods are going to have fun with us with Arizona when the tournament gets rolling. Yeah, that's the way these things can go. As we uh, chat with uh, Vin Parisi right now, SNY as well as Fox Sports. As far as you know, the actual brackets and the selection committee yesterday. Do you? Yeah, I went to Hofstra, so I got that you know mid-major mentality, and I hear you know USC whining about not getting in, and maybe they are one of the you know better teams in, and and got hosed at the end there. But I, I, I'm much more likely to feel for a team like Middle Tennessee State that only loses two games in conference all year, loses in the opener of their conference tournament, and they're out. Uh, do you you know find it? Yeah, problematic, or what do you think about you know how they go about determining which teams are getting in here? Yeah, I, you know I feel bad for that because you know I and I coached at the mid major level besides Rutgers for a few years at at Iona and FDU, so I've I've seen it on both sides of the coin. You know, all, all depends on you know what angle you look through it. Do you want the best sixty eight teams, or do you you know do you want to give you know teams from different league shots? I mean, for example. You know, Iona came in fourth place in their league this year. They weren't even one of the top two or three teams in the MAC, and they're in the 15-2 game. So, uh, you, you know, you, you look at some of these teams and you say, "Hey, is is a Syracuse and, and a USC and, a, and an Arizona State? What if they played, you know, one of these teams? What if they played one of these mid-majors?" So, I, I think it's a challenging job for the committee. Um, I know that a Syracuse, for example. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of blemishes. They also did a lot of right things down the stretch. I understand where Notre Dame's coming from with the Bonzi-Colson injury, but you know what? They also lost to Ball State 
and they at home, and they also lost to Indiana with Bonzi on the team. So at the end of the day, I think they were at least consistent. One thing they were consistent with, Pete, was it wasn't so much about your conference record. It was about who did you beat. Now, the one team that I know that has a gripe is USC, because if I'm USC, I'm saying, wait, I came in second place in the Pac-12 and made it to the conference championship game, and Arizona State came in ninth place and got bounced in the first round of the conference tournament. But look at the wins. Look at Kansas. Look at Xavier. So, you know, the committee has a theme every single year, and if you look at the criteria that this year was who did you beat, then you have to just, you know, you have to suck it up and you got to take it, and there's always going to be two or three teams that are unhappy. Yeah, that's the way uh, they shook it out this year. And, you know, I know, you know, for example, we were talking about a little earlier, that mid-major versus the power, who would you rather see in? You know, that's part of what's fun, the first four in a matchup like St. Bonaventure and UCLA. Yeah. It would be a huge upset in theory, but they're both 11 seeds trying to, you know, fight their way in. That's right. And, and you know what? what's funny is I actually love – St. Bonaventure and UCLA, the winner of that game, getting past the Florida as a six seed because Florida has been very inconsistent, uh, especially when you look at the last couple of weeks. I think whether it's Bonaventure or UCLA, I think that first game is going to be tougher than the second game. And, you know, that's one of the things that is, you know, so fascinating about this tournament to where when this tournament starts out, you know, nobody's going to be talking about a New Mexico State, for example. But, you know, here, here's a team that was 28-5. and five. They were dominated the WAC conference. I mean, they got a stud uh, in, in this kid, Lofton. They shoot it from three. And they're playing out in San Diego. And they're in New Mexico. They're going to have more fans than Clemson has at the game. Like, that's one of those 12-5 games to where if they played 10 times this year, Clemson would probably go, you know, 9-1. and one. But, you know, the scene is set for some of these teams to break through and, and have an unbelievable day. And I think it's just what makes March Madness one of the best sporting events of the year. Always happens, and it's uh, it's always fun and somehow surprising when it does. And Vin Parisi, uh, we appreciate you coming on and breaking it down for us. Thanks so much, Pete. I appreciate it, bud.